0: It's 12.03 on May 23rd, 2022. Thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. We'll talk about when you should tap into your 401k, but first, uh, we're expecting some major earnings reports from the retail sector today. We're joined now by Tom Hudson. He's a columnist at McClatchy Tribune based in Miami, Florida. Tom, what are you looking forward to or what should we uh, Uh, expect today?
3: Well, we're looking forward this week to a a big uh, number of retail earnings after a bloodbath from last week led by Target. And of course, the big drawdown, which is a polite way of saying enormous sell-off, a collapse almost in the Target sale price of his stock because of concerns of what was happening with inventories and softening of consumer demand. Costco, Dollar General, Best Buy, Nordstrom, all will be reporting here this week Rachel and i think investors need to pay attention to two things here primarily one is rising costs what's the cost of doing business for these retailers dealt with uh, you know the supply chain constraints higher pay for instance for workers and on the other side rising inventories are is stuff just sitting on the shelf and is that because it's the bad mix of products stuff that consumers don't want or are consumers shoppers themselves beginning to spend less as a result of the higher inflation and concerns about a a potential recession.
0: You mentioned that consumers are sort of shifting away from that superfluous spending, maybe now looking more toward necessities. We've seen other retailers recently that have missed the mark when it comes to their earnings reports.
3: Yeah, indeed, because consumers are trading down. They're looking for cheaper options. Private label groceries was the phrase that Walmart and Target talked about here. And so when we hear from Best Buy, we hear from Dollar General, Dick's Sporting Goods coming up this week, for instance, Macy's. It's going to be key to see what is the mix of products and inventories, but also what about that consumer demand? Is it softening here as we're moving into the summertime? And forget about weather, blames, and and any kind of thing like that. It's going to be whether or not consumers are comfortable enough with gasoline, $5 or so a gallon in some places. Are they still spending money on, on shirts, on pants, on uh, gym shoes, whatever that may be, what that retailer is trying to
0: sell? Well, and if there is more bad news from retailers uh, this coming week, is that sort of uh, predicting maybe some bad news for an already cranky stock market? <laughs>
3: yeah, this market is in an awful mood, Rachel, right? It is, it t- today, notwithstanding, we're seeing some buying, for instance, in Apple, which helps, of course, lift the indices here. But this market is in no mood to stop the selling. You, you, I'm sure you've talked about it in weeks past about capitulation. There's no sign here that folks are really throwing in the towel. The concern, of course, is that how bad are things going to get? And the more negativity there is in the marketplace, the more negativity that's in the environment, of course, the better that helps kind of build the bullish case. The market is bearish. There's no doubt about it. It's pessimistic. The retail earnings and the outlook is where the forecast is going to be for these corporations this week.
0: Thanks so much, Tom Hudson, a week ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami, Florida. Coming up, a warning about messing with your 401k retirement account.
1: The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM noon business hour.
0: Well, you may want to take a pause before using your 401k account to get some extra money. Let's find out why from Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. Ed, why might I not want to tap into that money?
4: Hey, Rachel, good to be with you. Um, You know, if you're reaching into your 401k plans for funds, you may have experienced an unexpected financial event. Or you may need to do a better job at developing your own financial plan because ultimately these 401k plans are designed for long-term growth, not short-term funding. But if you do need short-term funding, whether you're experiencing a hardship or you just need some quick money, a 401k could be a place to go reach down and get some quick funds for
0: If we're talking about taking and borrowing money against our own 401k, the interest rates have got to be at least a little bit better than maybe going to a bank or elsewhere.
4: And, and that's a great point. Is that in a 401k, you can take a loan up to 50% of the balance, up to fifty thousand dollars. So with a 401k loan, you're paying yourself interest. So it's typically tied to the prime rate plus, you know, some some spread if you would a little bit extra interest. But to your point, those tend to be lower interest rates. And you're paying yourself back the interest, not a credit card company or a bank. So that is potentially a good potential source for lower cost funds. But again, you've got to be careful on how much and when you take that money out.
0: Well, we know that that inflation, you know, money is tight. People are starting to really look at, at where they're spending. And, you know, if there is some sort of emergency, you know, I, I'm guessing that a 401k, it, it is an, an, a, a solution, but maybe a last resort.
4: And that's an excellent point, Rachel, because ultimately, like we had pointed out, if you have a hardship, like something happens that you weren't planned, a major household expense or car expense, that's one thing. But if you're just trying to meet your day-to-day spending because of inflation, that is not the time to tap into your 401k. And again, kind of goes back to doing a better job at developing your financial plan, because again, we want to be able to take monies out, but only for things that are unexpected.
0: I want to talk about, too, are are there penalties when pulling from this during certain situations? Also, does it affect, affect your taxes?
4: Yeah, good point. So a loan generally does not. When you take a loan out of your 401k, it's not income taxable to you unless you don't pay it back. Then you run into penalties and income. If you take what's known as a hardship withdrawal, so you take monies out of your 401k as a hardship withdrawal, A, you can't pay those monies back, and that's when you run into income taxes and a potential 10% penalty. So the last thing you want to do is be able to raid your 401k in terms of that that withdrawal, that hard withdrawal where you can't pay it back, because again, you only get so many cents on the dollar from those types of withdrawals. So be very, very careful careful of how you take your money out from your 401k. Being able to pay it back through a loan is preferable. But if you have to take a hardship withdrawal, it'll be income taxable, but you could potentially avoid that 10% penalty. But double check with your HR before you make any kind of commitment one way or the other.
0: Again, a word of caution before using your 401k account to get some extra money. Thanks so much, Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group. Up next, keeping an eye on the cyber threat to small businesses.
1: Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well,
0: many people think that big corporations, when it comes to cyber attacks, but small businesses are also very vulnerable. We welcome Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and author of the book Swiped, based in Phoenix, Arizona. Adam, great to have you with us. Again, small businesses, they may be more concerned with inflation, but uh, there is a risk here when it comes to cybersecurity.
5: Well, thanks for value me, Rachel. No, there certainly is. Look, everyone is a target. Everyone, every individual, every business. And there are so many people that look in the mirror and they see themselves and they go, who in heaven's name would want to attack me? I'm just a regular person. And what a lot of people just don't understand the fact is you may see you when you look in a mirror, but when a hacker looks at you, they see Sharon Stone, Beyonce, Jay-Z and Adam Levine all wrapped up in one person. And that's because you've got what they want. You have data, you have financial information, or what a lot of people don't consider, you could be the tributary to a larger river. Which means they're not necessarily interested in you as you, but they're interested in the people that you do business with, the people that you're related to, the organizations that you're affiliated with. And that can bleed over into your business.
0: If, if I'm a small business, though, I don't necessarily have the same security resources as those big corporations. So what are some ways to, to counter a cyber attack?
5: Well, there are a few things. You know, first of all, you have to do what everyone should be doing. First, long and strong passwords or use a password manager. People don't realize that oftentimes they use the same weak password everywhere, all their websites and accounts. And unfortunately, once that password is exposed, regardless of how good it may be, um, you're suddenly vulnerable everywhere. You also need to not click on links or open an attachment. This you don't need a lot of resources to think about doing that. You need to have a constant conversation with your employees, however many there may be, uh, about the dangers of cybersecurity. Uh, you should definitely upgrade your antivirus and your malware software. You should back up your files to an external drive because you could lose everything in a cyber attack if it's a ransomware attack, and for instance, you can't pay uh, and you you need to be very, very uh, vigilant and and realize the fact that all you need to do is one make one mistake you know as an attacker, you only have to find one vulnerability. As a defender, you have to make sure that you're great on every front.
0: Well, and we've had some headlines recently about data breaches. How would these cyber attacks impact consumers?
5: Well, first of all, if if there's a cyber attack on a business, that means the information that is stored by that business uh, is up for grabs. It's out there in the open. And depending upon how much information you've given, you know, a lot of people think, Well, my social security number is the skeleton key to my life. They forget the fact that so is your cell phone number. Probably that's the most ubiquitous identifier you have out there in the world. And once someone gets their hands on that number and puts it in context, they can come after you as if they are the business They can send you email as if they are the business and a lot of people fall for that and then get themselves fished and also end up losing money or giving more information to hackers so as a business you have to say to yourself it's not just about who i am and my size it's about who i serve and their size and their strategic importance whatever it may be i mean farmers have recently become targets uh, because they are a key to the supply chain so Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, depending upon what it is, could well be a target for a hacker.
0: Thanks so much, Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout, based in Phoenix, Arizona. Still to come on the noon business hour. Some fast food chains trying to lure customers through menu gimmicks.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson and for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's earlier curfew for young people will be the subject of further discussion. A special committee of the City Council is set to discuss a proposed casino for Chicago. Taco Bell brings back pizza while Arby's is turning to burgers. We'll have a discussion on fast food menu shakeups just ahead, and it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the Dow up 540, points. The Nasdaq up 103 and the S&P 500 up 54 points. AccuWeather says sunshine. It looks like spring. It just doesn't quite feel like it. A high today of 63 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight. Low 49. Then some sunshine again tomorrow. Still cool though. A high of 64 degrees. The WBBM noon business hour continues. Mayor Lightfoot's ordering changing Chicago's curfew law from 11 to 10 p.m. for minors under 18 instead of only those under 17. And it'll get a final vote on Wednesday. Alderman Emma Mitz and Nick Spazzato, mayoral allies, have used a parliamentary maneuver to postpone the vote for a few more days as the proposal remains under intense debate. Meantime, Mayor Lightfoot's plan to have a casino built in the River West community appears to be on a fast track.
5: A special committee set up to consider the casino deal with Bally's is scheduled to meet this afternoon. Alderman Tom Tunney heads the committee and expects the plan to get a thumbs up. That would be followed by a full city council meeting later in the day and a procedural move that would allow the proposal to get a final stamp of approval at another meeting on Wednesday. Bally's wants to put a casino near Chicago Avenue in Halstead. If it gets the okay from the council and the Illinois Gaming Board, a temporary casino could be set up next year at the Medina Temple while the permanent casino is being built. Bernie Tafoya, 105.9
0: WBBM.
1: Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: Markets are in the plus territory. We're joined now by Chuck Carlson. He's CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, glad to have you with us. And when we do have you here, we always talk about that time-tested Dow Theory. So uh, looking a little bearish. What are you watching?
6: It it is still uh, a bear market signal under the Dow theory. The primary trend of the market has not changed. The last major signal was a reconfirmation of the bearish trend when both the Dow Jones industrial and Dow Jones transportation averages both moved to lower lows here recently. So, you know, we're obviously getting a nice rally today. Um, it, it, I guess it's not too surprising when you look at what's happened to the Dow Jones industrial average. Uh, last week was its eighth consecutive week of losses. And you have to go back to 1932 to see a similar pattern in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So, you know, on a short term basis, it was probably oversold. Uh, we had that rally late in the day on Friday, and that is carried through to today. But this still feels like a rally within an ongoing bear market.
0: We always hear about uh, capitulation at the bottom. Can you explain sort of what that is? And are we close?
6: The yeah, capitulation is basically, you know, to sum it up in, in layman's terms, it's when everybody hates stocks or fears them. And what you see is just a crescendo of, of selling. And we haven't gotten there yet. And, and there's a number of ways you can try to measure that. And admittedly, it's not the easiest thing to measure. But one of the things I like to look at are the percentage of stocks that are trading above their 200-day moving average. If you use a 200-day moving average, is kind of a – proxy for stocks equilibrium price. Well in the last two bear markets only 2% of the stocks at the bottom of those bear markets were above their 200-day moving average, just 2%. Today, we're still in the 20s. So it doesn't have to get down to 2%, but there's still a fair amount of room between 2% and the low 20 percentage uh, where we are now. And, and to me, to, to see a full capitulation, that number needs to get into the mid to lower teens uh, at a minimum. So I, you know, that's how we measure capitulation, and we just haven't seen that yet.
0: Well, uh, we have tossed around adjectives like cranky, volatile when describing the markets. are clients calling you about this and what do you say amid all of this volatility?
6: Well, sure, yeah, they, they have started to, and that's one of the other reasons, just anecdotally why it didn't feel like capitulation. It was it really wasn't up until fairly recently that we were we, we were you know starting to get those calls. You know what what we try to do is make sure people are kind of allocated properly from a risk perspective. Uh, you know, not just for the short term, but also for the long term, and then try to make an adjustments at the margin uh, to become more defensive, uh, or or at least to you know trim some of the stocks that may be on more of the speculative side. But you know, we, yeah, yeah, we we try to caution against kind of doing all or nothing you know market timing because typically, even if you get out now, uh, you got to get back in, and that's very difficult to do if you're sitting there with all your funds out of the market. So hopefully, you were fairly. Allocated properly going into this downturn to be able to absorb some of the, the weakness. And the good news is, eventually this will too come to pass and it'll go higher. It's just, uh, it's probably going to take a few more months uh, to, in order to kind of flush things
0: out. Your advice is to hold on. I can understand that. And uh, are there places, though, investors can go to counter the, the rising inflation that we've seen?
6: Well, there, it, it, that's difficult in terms of any asset class. I mean, you've seen bonds. I mean, geez, bonds in the first quarter did worse than stocks. And and, and while stocks aren't a, a horrible, well, they're not a. They're viewed as an inflation hedge. They're not a great inflation hedge. Where where you get some help are in companies uh, that pay dividends and are increasing their dividends because, that's one way to kind of fend off the erosion in, in spending power. And you've and and you've seen that here with the movement toward higher dividend stocks. So, you know, that is one idea that continues to work and probably will continue to work, that being uh, stocks with higher dividend yields. And uh, it's not going to be perfect hedge, but that is an area that still seems to have some traction in this market.
0: Thanks so much for giving us the latest insight on Wall Street. That's Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecasts Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Up next, weighing the effectiveness of those menu gimmicks you're seeing at fast food outlets.
1: Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
0: Taco Bell brought back its Mexican pizza in its latest effort to draw in customers. Meantime, Arby's offering a burger for the first time in its history. Well, let's talk about all these fast food menu tricks and their effectiveness with R.J. Hadaevi, head of analytical research and foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based here in Chicago. R.J., there's a running joke here with our producer that I love all things food and I get excited about these segments. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about Arby's burger if people haven't lunch yet uh, let's uh, maybe tantalize their taste buds here
7: sure yeah you're right for the first time arby's is introducing a burger what's interesting about it is it's aimed at more of a premium audience uh it's a wagyu burger Um, You know, trying to, you know, at least try to take on some of the the fast food players. But I think what they're really trying to do is go after uh, potentially the full service restaurants, uh, especially in this time uh, with with inflation going on, and that's having an impact on foot traffic that we've seen across the restaurant space. If they can position themselves as a more affordable option compared to full service, uh, I think that they might uh, you know, be able to pick up some uh, additional visitors from it. But I think, you know, above all, I think what they're trying to do here is create buzz. Uh, the last couple of years in the industry, just because, you know, uh, it's been different, uh, bit more difficult to operate, we've seen a lot of, you know, redu- or at least... You know, things reduced from the menu, uh, things taken back to make it easier to operate. Now we're starting to see some new innovations come out to really create buzz and drive visitations, too. So I think really twofold what we're seeing here is just trying to create some buzz for the brand, but then also maybe steal some traffic from some of the higher uh, audience uh, restaurant locations.
0: You make an interesting point. It's not necessarily about the menu item itself. It's just, can we get people to talk about Arby's, Taco Bell, Wendy's, anyone that sort of introduced a limited time or brought back a menu item? So does it work? Do we see the results that that would drive sales?
4: Typically, what we do, we
7: do see a pickup in foot traffic for most of these promotions. Uh, the problem is, it's tough to really maintain these over a long period of time. Sometimes, if you keep doing this on a on, you know a week week in week out basis, you kind of dilute the impact that these things have. But if you you keep them for you know typically kind of a every other month schedule for a limited time offer. Those typically have a you know a positive impact on foot traffic and sales results. Um, you know the, the key is really to build yourself as a reputation for an innovator. Somebody like Taco Bell, I think, has done that and they've been able to um, see visitations outperform the rest of the category for for a long period of time because of that. Uh, I don't think Arby's has that reputation yet, but I, I think they're trying some innovative things and trying some new things that uh, maybe puts them in the right direction.
0: It's going to be interesting, too, to sort of see the marketing strategy behind it. And I'm, I'm thinking about Taco Bell as as sort of an example here, because it announced it, its Mexican pizza's return during a, a Doja Cat performance at the Coachella Music Festival. Not Not somewhere that I think about Taco Bell and Mexican pizza, but man, did it drive buzz.
7: It did, and drove foot traffic, too. So I think we're starting to see a lot of innovative approaches to marketing. Uh, the, the old ways of doing marketing for new products just is, I, I think, outdated, and I think we're starting to see a lot of creativity. Um, we've talked about loyalty programs and creativity on that front. I think just the ways people are introducing products to the market, uh, seeing a lot of innovation on that front, too, a lot of new partnerships like that. Uh, so I think we're going to see more and more of that in the future.
0: And again, Arby's—it's sort of a groundbreaking decision because it's never really stepped into the hamburger arena. So, is this something that that might be here to stay? Is this a limited time deal? What do you expect?
7: I think it's probably going to be a limited time offer. I mean, everything depends on the success of the product and the, and the limited time offer. But this is one that does add some operational complexity. It's a little bit different to make a burger, and especially for somebody who's never introduced it. So that's just one of the things that a lot of operators are trying to avoid right now is undue, uh, unnecessary complexity. So I don't think it's going to be there uh, permanently. But I do see in this maybe being a reoccurring limited time offer. So maybe we'll see the same launch next year uh, with some variation to it.
0: Thanks so much, RJ Haddavy, Head of Analytical Research at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. And still to come, it's our Stock Picker Monday.
1: The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
0: It's Stock Picker Monday. Helping us out this afternoon is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based here in Chicago. Mike, let's start. What's your first pick?
8: Well, good afternoon, Rachel, and thanks again for having me on. Let me start with uh, Facebook or Meta, uh, whatever you want to call it. It trades at at 15 times earnings right now, which is the lowest level it's had since its IPO. I mean, can it go lower? Certainly it can in this environment. But we just, at MJP Capital, we look for good risk-reward trades, and and, and here's one for sure. Um, You look out one year from now, and, and we just think it's a great bet to be higher. It's certainly a great bet to beat the market uh at least if the market is down significantly i mean facebook might be brought down with it but it's it's trading so cheaply it's almost become a value stock so right now the, the uh the thesis on, on facebook is is that um, you know it it has declining ad revenue and it's, certainly it's been soft uh, and if we head in the re- recession um, it could remain soft for a while but we do believe during this time facebook is in a great position to increase share uh, and and come out of this in a in a better situation. If we don't go into recession, then certainly ad revenue will will pick up again, and Facebook will will uh, will benefit from that as well. Also, we think that you know going into uh, Internet three the, point the metaverse. Virtual reality. I mean, Zuckerberg has shown already many times that it's he's always ahead of the curve. There's no reason to believe he's not ahead of the curve again as we moved into the future here. We think Facebook's a great bet uh, for all these reasons, and so it should be in people's portfolios.
0: That's Facebook, FB. All right, Mike, your second pick. Second pick
8: is not a stock. It's TLT. So um, Treasuries. It's it basically it's a ten to twenty-year Treasury uh, uh, bond and. What we like about it is that, uh, you know, good trades happen when you understand sentiment and what about that sentiment that could be wrong. So, again, MJP Capital, we look at we look at sentiment. You know, traders know inflation is very high. The numbers are obvious, right? So, why would you want to have a bond in the middle of of high inflation? Well, what what I do believe traders are are overestimating is is how much the Fed is going to do to, to bring it down. Uh, the inflation down. So the cure to high inflation is generally high inflation. And so that alone will will cause cause inflation to come down because we are on the verge of a recession here, whether we kick into one or not. We do believe inflation is going to start coming down. Stock prices could be uh, punished a little bit more. If that is the case, the Fed is not going to raise the rates at the at what is expected by the market right now if that's true uh, you know you're looking at treasuries as a great buy here because i think it's overestimated what the fed really is able to do Um, if this was paul volcker in the 1980s i wouldn't have this trade on but the fed chairman is 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 not paul volcker it's jerome powell and 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 mr powell has shown in many occasions to want to support stock prices asset prices so he's not going to move rates up significantly in in the middle of a recession or in the middle of an asset decline situation that we have right now. So we think it's a good bet, even into high inflation. And uh, so TLT and and Facebook, I think, are two great bets for the next six months to a year.
0: Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo. Again, that's Facebook FB and the exchange-traded fund TLT. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.